0: Thank you for joining us for this sermon podcast from the Congregational Church of Needham United Church of Christ, where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you're invited and welcome. This sermon for Sunday, December 6th, 2020, the second Sunday in Advent, continues in our Advent Reflection Series, Those Who Dream, with today's sermon, Those Who Dream, Prepare. Prepare. It's a reflection on a reading from the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 1, verses 1-8. through If you enjoy this podcast and would like to learn more about our open and affirming ministry at the Congregational Church of Needham, simply head over to our website, www.needhamucc.org. Thank you. Our scripture reading today comes from the New Testament, from the Gospels from the Gospel according to Mark, chapter one, verses one through eight. Let's listen together for a living word in these words from Mark, chapter one. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, Son of God. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, see I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way the voice of one crying out, "In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make God paths, make God's paths straight." John the Baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And he proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Friends, God is still speaking to the world. May our hearts be open to listen and to respond. Amen. So one of the occupational hazards of being a preacher is that at any moment, without warning, your life may suddenly turn into a sermon illustration. Though admittedly, this may pose a greater risk for those who live with a preacher rather than for the preacher themselves. Preachers and stand-up comedians, probably. So anyway, my partner David and I spent this past Friday and Saturday putting up our Christmas tree, perhaps like many of you, if not a week late, which of course involves a great deal more than simply putting up the Christmas tree itself putting up a tree, especially a real Christmas tree, in a household like ours that includes two large dogs is something of a calculated risk to begin with. You see, it's not that dogs don't know what trees are because dogs know all about trees outside. And they're likely to treat any tree that suddenly shows up inside the very same way if left to their own doggy devices. So we put up our tree in a corner of the kitchen safely behind a dog slash baby gate. But our kitchen isn't that large to begin with and there really aren't that many unused corners in it. So even before we head out to pick out the tree, we have to move things around. The side table that usually holds the all-important coffee maker has to get moved a significant distance to one side and of course, all the stray beans that live behind it swept up. The kitchen table itself loses two of its accompanying chairs for the season and the two that remain are shifted to the opposite side. Then and only then do we make plans to actually go out and pick up the tree, to drive out to the farm more than half an hour away which process this year got moved up by a day in order to avoid yesterday's storms, which change involved both of us, David and myself, taking time off from work in the middle of the day to go and do that. And then once we get out there, of course, you have to, we have to troop out through the field and begin the process of haggling amongst ourselves over this tree versus those clearly inferior trees and then the buying and the wrapping up and the tying to the top of the car and the agonizingly slow drive home at nothing more than the speed limit and that only barely. Once home, there's the unloading, the carrying of the tree all the way around the back of the house and up into the kitchen door and the standing the tree up in the positively medieval metal Christmas tree stand which when you are a couple comprising one person who does measurement and test engineering for a living and one person who has a liberal arts degree, I'll let you guess which is which, is its own particular kind of struggle. And then comes the decorating, two gay men, Lights first, of course, zigzagging, not around since the tree is in a corner, then the garland organized by color and material, then the ornaments most unique first in order to show them off properly, then filling in around those in a pattern determined by cross-referencing size and elevation on the tree, smaller ones up top and larger ones down below until finally, Finally, and with a minimum of tears, it's finished. Except of course, for the minor adjustments we'll each be making each time we pass the tree and determine that something isn't exactly to our liking until it is. And voila, Christmas, easy as pie. A really beautiful, complicated, stressful, Anxiety-producing pie multiplied exponentially by the number of people involved in the making of it. But you know, some gifts take preparation to receive properly. Some gifts and some changes. And I don't mean we need to change or prepare the gift so much as we need to prepare ourselves to receive it. Putting up a Christmas tree is, of course, just one very low-stakes example. But yes, you've got to clear a space for it somewhere. I'm sure you can think of more and more meaningful examples from your own life. After all, you've got to turn that spare room into a nursery to receive that new baby. You've got to do much the same thing again to receive an aging parent back into your home for care or a 20 or a 30-something child should they need to move back in. And of course, the physical preparations are just the tip of the iceberg. New schools, new jobs, new homes, new relationships, new phases of our lives all require practical and mental and emotional and spiritual preparation to receive well in order to incorporate them well into our lives. Not to mention all of the unasked for, even unwanted gifts, the gifts that hardly seem like gifts at the time or even later, individual gifts and challenges, like new illnesses, mental and physical, new disabilities, new addictions, the countless challenges that greet us each day just in the course of everyday living when we throw back the covers and put our feet on the floor. And systemic challenges too, corporate challenges and not just brand new challenges like how do we handle brand new technologies and how do we confront new diseases but also new understandings of old, old problems, new understandings of our world and the consequences of our ways of living in it, our economies, our relationships and responsibilities to one another as communities, as a nation, even as a community of nations, as a planet. The gifts and challenges of this particular moment, of this present call to confront racism and sexism, all of the terrible isms that tear us apart, political divisions that undermine our common life, and even climate change that threatens all life, period. And at the heart of it for us as believers, there's the gift and the challenge of hearing and receiving and owning the gospel of Jesus Christ for ourselves of trying to live out that gospel to incorporate those guiding principles of justice, peace and compassion into our lives on a daily and not just once weekly basis. Receiving that gift takes a whole lot more than simply rearranging the furniture, enduring a mild inconvenience one month out of the year. Some gifts like the gospel represent more than just a new layer of extra special icing on the same old cake, but rather challenge us to change the entire menu, the entire meal and how we share it and with whom. Which is why one of the core themes of this season of Advent is always preparation. And one of the core questions of this season is the one we sang in our opening hymn today, oh, how shall I receive you, Jesus? How shall I receive the gift, the challenge and the opportunity you represent? Not just for the shepherds and wise ones, prophets and parents in the distant past, but for me now in this present moment. How shall I receive this gift? In our reading today, the prophet John, called the baptizer, announces that very same gift to the people of his day, to his neighbors, some 2,000 years ago, just as the prophet Isaiah had done to his people and his neighbors in his day some 600 years earlier. The message remains the same, Prepare prepare. God approaches. In fact, God is already at hand with the gift of hard truth and amazing grace. Prepare. Prepare your hearts to receive this challenge of change for the better, for justice and peace, not just for a few, but for all. Prepare. Prepare a clear path, clear away the clutter, make a straight way, a highway to our hearts through the wild places of the world and even the desert places inside us. Prepare, lift up the low places and grind down the proud places in and among us that keep us from receiving and sharing this gift of life that really is life more fully. Prepare, receive, and repent. Receive this good news and turn so that you may receive this good news and live it today and tomorrow and ever after. Amen. Now, if all this listening to John's talk of repentance and radical change makes you uneasy, if you would prefer the more familiar, well-worn shapes of the Bethlehem story, though that presents its own challenges. If all of this talk of preparation and change makes you uneasy, as uneasy as imagining, really imagining the look of the wild man in his rough camel hair coat, the taste of his diet of locusts and wild honey, and the smell, oh God, the smell of the man out there in the desert heat. If all of that makes you uneasy and even a little bit queasy, well then, I think you're on the right track. The preparation, the changes this gift of the gospel asks of us are not easy. It's one of my favorite sayings. Of course the gospel isn't easy. If the gospel were easy, everybody would be doing it. But no, there is a lot more involved than simply packing and unpacking that Christmas tree once a year. Because we're not talking about just adding a cherry to the top of the sundae. We're not even talking about going on a diet for a time, but about changing the way we eat permanently we are talking about changing our basic orientation to the world and in particular to the privileges we enjoy, privileges unfairly afforded most of us on a daily basis. And no friends, even as the prospect of a world redeemed and reformed according to God's purposes may give us joy in the long run or in the abstract, That doesn't mean it's going to be fun, or easy, or even all that pleasant in the moment. We were talking about that this week as we were gathering those of us who've committed to the six week course of constructive conversations about race that our open and affirming team has pulled together for us this fall. We were talking in this safe space of mostly, almost entirely white people gathered together to talk about race in ways that we generally do not feel comfortable talking about in more mixed company, to talk honestly, to face hard truth even as we grasp for amazing grace. And we were talking about this thing that we never talk about, that becoming anti-racist, making those deep and substantive changes to our lives, is not fun as much as we know it's what we are supposed to do and what we are supposed to take delight in doing in the doing of it on a daily basis it's uncomfortable profoundly uncomfortable it may in fact hurt and i was thinking about My time that I spend with my what I call my open and affirming African American Pentecostal friends, the Fellowship of Affirming Ministries, a historically and majority black church open and affirming experience with whom I have spent consistent time over the last 15 plus years, where I am frequently one of a very few, of only a handful of white people in the room. Now, you'd think that after 15 years, it would all be sweetness and light for me that I would have learned, that I would have made all of those changes necessary to be at ease in that space and with those conversations. But friends, it's not true. I still sit there every year in those conferences, every time in those conversations, and I chafe against this project I chafe against not being the center of attention, the one in charge, not even being recognized for being special for being one of those very few white people in the room. I sit there and it itches in my soul. It even burns a bit at times as I go back and forth struggling with myself as I'm trying to incorporate these changes to my life into my life. But as I shared last Thursday, in that constructive conversation, I've changed how I approach these changes in myself. I've recognized that these changes, this preparation are necessary, that I am being changed. Even as I seek to make those changes in the world, seek to bring the gospel to the world outside me, I'm constantly working to bring the gospel home into my own heart. And I think about it like this, that chafing, that unease, that discomfort. That's my racism burning off more slowly than I could ever hope. God, I wish it could be done all in one fell swoop, but it is a constant process, this preparation. And this preparation to receive the gospel is the gospel itself at work in my life and your lives. It sounds trite to say, but it is nevertheless true that the preparation, the journey is part of the gift. The work that we do is part of the goal toward which we are working. The world transformed, redeemed, resurrected in the loving just and peaceful power of God announced to us in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Prepare. Prepare ye away. Friends, this is a season of preparation that points us towards a lifestyle of preparation. That's what it is to be a Christian believer. It is to be in a state of constant and uneasy revolution for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the love of God and our neighbors and ourselves. But it is worth it. This is the core hope of my own faith, that this discomfort, these challenges, this gift that we are in the process of receiving and working out in our lives Is more than worth it and that makes all the hard work that I have to do in order to prepare a place worth it as well the best part of this good news is that none of us have to endure this alone that is why we are called together into congregations that is why we are the church together so that we can support one another. Even as we argue about where the tree goes, who lights the advent wreath, how are we going to pay for that budget next year? This is part of the gift, this being and living together, preparing a space in the midst of us for the gift of Jesus Christ and the gospel of Christ to be born again this year, this day and always prepare my friends for the gift of a new world is already on its way on a quiet day i can almost hear it breathing and so beloved if you've heard the word of god preached here today remember to give all honor and glory to our one god creator christ and holy spirit amen